Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security, and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. I am Clive Ennevar, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Tony Anscombe about how organisations can mitigate their cyber security risk. Tony is the chief security evangelist for ESET and has over 20 years of security industry experience. He is an established author, blogger and speaker on the current threat landscape security technologies and products, data protection, privacy and trust, and internet safety. His speaking portfolio includes industry conferences, including the Child Internet Safety Summit. Tony, you write and blog on a whole bunch of things. Welcome. Hi, Clive, and it's uh, great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you, and in particular, it's a pleasure because you cover so much in this cybersecurity space. How on earth did you get started in that? Oh well, it's uh, going a long way back. I actually started a life as a as a programmer, um, and Copeland Fortran. And for those people listening, I started on something called Punch Cards, which seems like an eternity ago. Yeah, now you seem to carry a mainframe in your pocket called your phone. Um, but it was a long, yeah, one of the projects I undertook for, I worked for a number of financial organisations and one of those projects in that financial organisations uh, was heavily around security and authentication and encryption, as you'd expect in banks. And it sparked my interest in security and that was a long time ago and here we are now. Without going into too much detail at this stage about how it all started and how it came about, 25 years of cybersecurity and everything that goes with it, what are the biggest changes that you've noticed in 25 years? Well, one of them is called the internet. Yeah. Um, actually, if we go back 25 years, it was, it was CompuServe and a few bulletin boards. Um, and it, you know, cybersecurity was very different. The first versions of viruses that you might see on PCs were, you know, disruptors. They weren't malicious. They weren't monetizing cyber criminals. They were just somebody in the back of a garage wanting the badge for creating Pac-Man running across your screen you know, or such like. So it was a very different world back then. However, you know, cyber crime still exists. Yeah, cyber crime, not as we know it today, but it did exist, computer crime existed and fraud so even back then um, I remember going through uh, courses uh, in the UK for the regulator for financial fraud and uh, money laundering how you launder money uh, they taught you very well because to teach you how to look for it they taught you how to do it which was I always thought a little strange <laughs> the old story of to catch a thief Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You've got to train the right one, otherwise you have a thief. You mentioned uh, nowadays we're carrying a mainframe in our pocket called a phone. 
What's the biggest change in the hardware that you've seen? Well, hardware is minimised, isn't it? It's um, yeah. I, w- I was I was kind of being slightly jovial there, but it's actually not not a wrong conversation, is it, to have the the power of what you carry in, in your pocket once upon a time would have actually been in a dark room. Um, and when I say a dark room, mainframe sitting rooms with the lights off. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing. Yeah, think about how our world has changed. I even now, you know, we're sitting here. I'm one part of the world, you're in another part of the world, and we're talking over over a couple of laptops. Um, it still amazes me when I sit in my car and ring somebody halfway around the world, and they pick up, and we're both you know both stuck in traffic in different places. Um, you know, many many people will take that for granted. I, I smile every time I do it. Still, I think. Well, it is very exciting to be able to uh, say we're half a world apart, speaking across a couple of laptops, and we can see each other. It's it's all there. What do you think is the biggest thing that people miss when it comes to cyber security because it's so simple? Um, I'm not sure I, I, I understand quite what you mean, but I, I think if what, what do people miss as in what do people forget to do or... Explain a bit further, Clive. Not sure I understand. Yeah, because it's uh, something that we can we do take for granted. It is simple. We push a button, and there you are on the other end, and we have a conversation. So, is that simplicity uh, convincing us that we don't need to bother about security? Well, hopefully, technology companies and all the people in the middle, so companies like ESET you know, provide a piece of the security puzzle. Um, but hopefully all the companies involved in the middle have done have created something secure uh, by design. Um, I often relate this back to think of the think of the motor car. Yeah? So if we go back 40 years, there were no seatbelts. In fact maybe slightly more than 40 years, 50 years, there were no seatbelts. And then somebody came up with a lap seatbelt. Then somebody came up with the cross cross-body seatbelt, and then somebody invented an airbag. And so cyber security is not dissimilar. Um, you continue, it continually gets added to and in more and more layers. And in fact, our own company, ESET, if you look at our technology 30 years ago, it would have been pure signature-based and, and looking for one or two specific threats. Today, you know, it's several deep layers of technology um, that stop things in different ways. So uh, utilising cloud and utilising machine learning or, or what many people call artificial intelligence. Um, and it's moved on. And, and, and if you think about you know, my analogy back with the car, you know, uh, in two years' time, you'll probably not be able to buy a car. In fact, we probably won't need one because you won't be able to travel anywhere. Um, but you, know, you think of the car, you won't be able to buy one without uh, collision collision avoidance systems because they'll stop automatically. So even even the other things in our life that are similar to security, security of us, are very similar to cyber security as well. Everything's progressing. And as it grows, are those of us uh, on a on a consumer level, can we 
ignore it so that because we've got people like you, we've got uh, ESET out there looking after these things for us, can we ignore it and just leave it to you? No, not at all. We're only part of the solution. Um, so th think about uh, this, current, this current unprecedented time we're in with uh, this virus, you know, this, this human virus, COVID-19 uh, COVID going around the world. You, we've seen cyber criminals sending out spams on um, campaigns, trying to get you to click this or click that or, or go to this website, give up your data. Um, they're all maliciously trying to make money from this particular incident. Um, you know, if you, unfortunately, I can tell you, you know, I can block a malware threat trying to get to your machine. I might be able to tell you about a phishing site. But unfortunately, if you answer a text message or you answer uh, some other scam that's, and you're the first person to ever see this or, or something, there's a likely, I need you to be part of the cybersecurity solution. You know, when you look in your email box, you need to be able to identify, ah, those ones are spam. You know, I, I, I know I don't, it's not for me. I just delete it. So unfortunately, it's a team effort. We require human interaction uh, as much as we do technology. So we've got to be a, a part of it to make use of the benefit that you actually provide. What about as a small business uh, or even a medium-sized business, uh, does it change as we move up there? Or apart from the fact that if we're in business, the chances are that the spammers want more money from us. The, yeah, I mean, the risk changes. So, for example, in, in, a, in a small business, you might have something that's termed business email compromise. So this is a scam where cyber criminals will impersonate somebody else in the company within an email. So they will target, they will actually target individuals in a company. They'll look to see how people talk, what their te you know, how their text looks. So they will have done their research. And suddenly the guy in the finance department gets an email saying, this is Jack, the CEO. Can you transfer $25,000 to this account urgently? Um, you know, the risk changes once we step into business because the cyber criminals got, in effect, an opportunity to make great wealth. Uh, and, and we've seen uh, and the risk to some of those small companies is, is, is very big. There was a company just before the end of last year, uh, and this was very pub a very publicized story in Arkansas. It was a small telemarketing company uh, who got hit with ransomware. Yeah? Now, it was, it was a 300-person small family business, and by Christmas, they were closed down. They've been in business for like 30 years, 300 employees, um, and it, it crippled them to the point where they shut the business. And for the benefit of those who, those of us who aren't familiar with that term, ransom in this circumstance applies to what? <clears throat> well, so ransomware is a, is a piece of malware. So it's a, it's a virus. Let's call it a virus because I think that's what the word everybody will understand. It's a virus I think that. I love yeah, it's, <laughs> um, yes, you don't get it by sneezing. This is something that comes typically through email. Um, and sorry, we shouldn't make light of those things, I know. But, no, we shouldn't. Yeah, and for, for those who are listening to this uh, long after the event, uh, <laughs> we're talking about COVID-19 having uh, attacked the world. <laughs> yes. So, so 
Um, ransomware typically is an attack through email, so it's a, it's, a, it's a malware attack. It gets onto your machine and it encrypts your data and displays a message on your machine and says, uh, if you pay me X number of Bitcoins, uh, then I will unlock your machine. Now, there's several things here is, uh, you know, will it really get unlocked if you pay? Two, you should never pay a criminal. Um, and you should have a backup. So there's lots of things you can do to protect in here. Um, and you should have good security software, obviously. But that's what ransomware is. It, it, it hijacks your data and encrypts it and takes control of it away from you. And if that's a big company, if that's a small company, it can be devastating, yeah? Because if they really bring the, the company to its knees uh, and stop it trading, whereas a big company typically will have far better processes in place to actually manage something like this. And in a bigger company, you're likely to have your own experts inside the company to help you. Um, and that's why it's important. Small businesses actually engage with security companies like ours, not just for our product, but for our, our expertise. Yeah, and take, you know, use the expert knowledge we have on hand as well. And so a lot of people, of course, look at uh, insurance and say the premium is too high. If we use that analogy, comparing it to the business that you just talked about, where you know, 300 employees uh, out of business in very short time because of a cyber attack, employing somebody like you is really not all that much when you look at the alternative. Well, that's true, but it's uh, it's like being the life insurance salesman, isn't it? You want to talk about the dismal days of something really bad happening. And unfortunately, human nature doesn't always understand the bad thing until it happens. We're um, often late to buy an umbrella, aren't we? I don't know. I'm English. I always carry one. <laughs> that was such a good line that I had there, Tony. Thank you for that. <laughs> That's all right. You, you set that one up for me. Sorry. <laughs> but, but yes, you are, you're right. We don't like to look at... Uh, we don't like to look at things. We, we don't think things are going to happen to us, do we? No, and unfortunately, there's the, there's the other part of um, all companies are connected in many ways these days. So, so smaller companies trade with bigger companies. Yeah? And those smaller companies are sometimes the target of a cyber criminal to get to the bigger company because the bigger company does have better defenses. They have the experts on hand. So by attacking the smaller company, I may find a weakness in the chain that allows me to get to the big company. In fact, um, that was, if you look at a lot of data breaches, that's typically, the, yeah, that's a frequent pattern with data breaches, that smaller companies are, are actually the point of attack. That's interesting news. I was not aware of that. However, now that we've established that this can happen to us, <clears throat> how does a, a person in a small business, might be a single operator or alternatively a, a larger small business, uh, how do we make sure, is there a set of steps, for example, that we can follow to make sure that we are adequately covered in this cyber security angle? Yes, absolutely. So there's, uh, there's a number of frameworks. So uh, most, most governmental organisations in each country publish a set of cyber security frameworks um, and if you look at look up uh, one that I often refer to is CIS, they have a cybersecurity framework which is quite in depth. So 
the problem is, is you may look at it as a small business and go, wow, okay, if I do all that, when am I actually meant to do business? Um, and that's a, that's a fair point, but you can take the core principles. So while you might not do everything in the framework, having, for example, strong authentication, so requiring good passwords or two-factor authentication, you know, where you use your mobile phone or another device to create, create a code, um, implementing those types of things help keep the company secure. So look at the framework and look at the high-level things. The other thing that I think is highlighting this and helping is privacy legislation. Um, if you look at around the globe, there's over 100 countries now with some form of privacy legislation. Now, while that's very confusing if you're an international business, uh, a lot of privacy legislation will talk about the, the, the core parts of it. Um, yeah, encrypting customer data. Yeah, good, strong passwords I've already mentioned. Encrypting data in, you know, while it's in flow. Only, only holding on to data that you need. You know, don't hold on to customers' data that you no longer need because, you know, if you are breached, you're putting their data at risk. And some actually the privacy legislation puts it in, I would say, core, core simple terms in a lot of instances. However, not all privacy legislation does. Some of it's as grey as turning around and saying, you need security, which doesn't really help a lot. <laughs> Essentially, we really want to make sure we've got uh, somebody such as yourself on hand. How can a small business go about getting somebody like you on board? Now, without giving away your annual salary, um, many small businesses aren't going to be able to afford to have a person in place. How do we make sure we've got some cover at least? Well, so, so it's not dissimilar to, to owning your car. Yeah, let's use my car analogy and go back to my car. Um, you know, I might change the oil, yeah, but I might not take the gearbox apart. Uh, and I think that's what you're referring to. Somebody that I, I'm the gearbox engineer. Um, so I'm not the person that you, you want in your garage all the time because I might be an expensive person to sit there. Um, but however, when you want that specialized gearbox changed, you're going to take it to a trusted vendor. Um, and that's what you need to do. And we're, we're a focused company. You can talk to us directly. However, we work through partners and we choose our partners very carefully to make sure those partners can provide quality service and we provide the backup for the partner as well. So, you know, if, if you have a partner that's providing security services, and remember, we're part, yeah, I already said, we're part of that puzzle. You know, security is about layers, not just layers within products, but layers of, of different vendors and different components. So if you go to a, a good partner, they're going to be able to provide you that whole layered approach. Yeah, and we're used to layers, Clive, because think about your front, you know, think about your house. You have a gate, you have a door, you have two locks on the door, you have an alarm, you have a safe. Yeah, you, those are the layers. So we're used to layers. And in dealing with these partners and such, we don't actually have to have them in the place all the time, as you said. We don't want uh, the specialist mechanic in the garage all the time. But on a contractual basis, we can have them there when we need them. Well, you can have them there. Also, in today's world, a lot of this can be done remotely. Uh, so a lot of this is managed service provision. So the partner will sit 
uh, they'll actually be monitoring uh, your network and looking for those threats proactively. And it will be alerting them to an incident that they might need to talk to you about. So actually, they may call you before you know you've got a problem, um, which is even even greater, isn't it? Imagine the garage calling me and saying, I've got a gearbox problem before it happens. That would be nice. Um, <laughs> That's true. But it, yeah. But it, mean, it means that a lot of these things can be done remotely, uh, which, which is an excellent way to do it. So managed service providers provide a really good service there. Which answers the question, of course, that you posed earlier. With all this stuff I have to do about cybersecurity, when am I going to do business? It's, if it's all being done remotely, uh, you can, having once put it in place, almost uh, ignore it. Well, you could never ignore it. Uh, and you can never ignore it because the threat moves on uh, and there's always a new threat coming. So you know, it's com complacency would not be a good idea. Um, you know, so what you've got to remember is, you know, we talked about those early days of, of my, my career when you know, it was the Pac-Man running across the screen. Unfortunately, cybercrime is now a very profitable business. So while you're, if you were complacent in your normal business, yeah, you would start to lose customers. And unfortunately, cybercrime doesn't stay complacent. So they will look for new ways to make money too. So while you create a defensive layer, you have to continually make sure you're creating the defensive layer against what they're doing because they're innovating and they're doing different things. And indeed, they're essentially running a business, aren't they? Because they're, they're looking to grow their revenue. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the FBI and various organizations like that come out with huge numbers every year of what cybercrime costs businesses. Um, and I think those numbers are always fascinating, but you've also got some, some organizations pay cyber criminals. So some organizations get ransomware and they pay the cyber criminals. And it, it, it's when they get paid, suddenly they realize um, how they can make money and, and it funds them doing more. Um, if, if uh, I have a question for you, actually, Clive, have you ever gone off and looked on the dark web? I've seen lots of talk about it, but it's a bit like drugs. I've never bothered to put my toe in the water. <laughs> well, likewise, I haven't with drugs, but you know, the dark web is a is a part of the internet that most of us never see. You know, you can go on the dark web web and buy data. You know, you can buy people's email addresses, validated email addresses. You can buy all sorts of malware and stuff like that on there. My point is, 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 you know, if I asked you, had you been part of a data breach, you might say no. I can guarantee nearly everybody has. Yeah, you just don't know. So your data is probably for sale out there, and some cyber criminal has breached somebody's network, got the data, and they're selling the data on the dark web. And then what happens is somebody else buys it, and they exploit the data. Now they do it some of those random spam messages that end up in your inbox. How did they get your address? Well, that's how they got it, was through data purchased on the dark web. I myself was part of a data breach. Um, unfortunately, an airline I frequently travel on, or used to travel on, um, <laughs> yeah, were, had a, date, a slight issue on their website, a code injection. So the cyber criminals managed to do a redirect on transactions and snatched credit card details. And uh, three months later, $7,500 disappeared out of a bank account. Uh, now, mm -hmm. I thought the bank put it all back, and it was, it was all very simple to resolve. 
but it shows that there are victims. So we should always remember that when you hear of these data breaches, collecting millions and millions of records, somewhere, someone will get exploited and there is a victim at the end, which is why we all, everybody is part of uh, protecting the internet. So making sure you, know, you have good anti-malware software on your machine, whether you're a consumer, a business, or whatever you are, and it's up to date. You're all part of the solution because everybody is a, is an opening for a cyber criminal. And there are relatively simple things that we can do. Like when something looks and smells fishy, we treat it as such. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other thing is we're all starting to put more stuff in our homes, aren't we? Um, internet of things, IoT devices and smart switches and yeah, personally, I can still get off, get, get off the sofa and turn the lights off. But you know, if you want to be able to sit on your on your sofa and do that from a phone, well, yeah, just make sure you're buying. You know, you're putting in technology that's got some form of security in it, but it's it's encrypted and doesn't have vulnerabilities. Yes, we we do seem to like the, our toys, don't we? We in, introduce things that can bring other things with them, and uh, we're reminded of Troy. Without going back into ancient history, <laughs> is uh, is there a difference between uh, how cybersecurity is being perceived and how it's actually being approached in practice? You've got all these answers um, about how we can do it. I suppose I'm asking, do we do it? Um, not always. Uh, I, I think you used the, the analogy earlier on of life insurance. Yeah, unfortunately, cybersecurity sometimes can be viewed as a nice to have or it's at the end of the budget because nothing's ever gone wrong. Um, so it's not always perceived in the right way. Uh, and we as, we as consumers don't always take things quite that way either. Um, you know, something hits your, your e email box today and it looks funny, you might open it when you actually know that the person who sent it to you, you don't know them and why did this get sent to you and, you know, and all those sorts of good things and, and you know, we, we let our guard down. So, no, unfortunately, perception is, is not always practice. No, I have to say that I've noticed... Uh frequent uh, turnings up of a, cert a couple of certain or easily identified languages stops me opening things. So, <laughs> <laughs> and no, I wasn't inquisitive enough right at the beginning when they turned up to e open them either. <laughs> no, but, but uh, and interestingly now, now we're seeing lots of people working from home. You know, I wonder whether that changes things too. If you're in an office where there's people walking behind you uh, and you're in that corporate environment, you may not click on things and be a little bit more uh, aware of your environment. However, then when you go into, once you're working from home, there's nobody standing behind you and some, something lands in your inbox, you may actually be a little bit more risky uh, and click on things. So actually, I... I think it's interesting that remote working may actually increase risk as well. Yes, and uh, of course, there's every chance that more of us will be working remotely from, from here on. But uh, with that, we do, I think, naturally thirst for information. And of course, if something turns up that we don't recognise straight away, we want to know what it is, don't we? <laughs> 
Yes, it's human nature. Of course, it is. Especially mm. if it look, if it's uh, if it if it looks interesting. Yes. So we're at the end of the day, we're probably an easy target. Yeah, and cyber criminals know that. And and when you think about, um, we hear lots of terms. You know, artificial intelligence is a, is a frequently used term. Um, now imagine, you know, fast. Let's fast forward five years and. You know, thousands more, thousands of more data breaches and cyber criminals being you know, innovative and using artificial intelligence. At the moment, they send the same email to you and I. Yeah. Yes. In five years' time, it might be a little bit more targeted. And instead of targeting, you know, when, when they target businesses and do all their research, they might actually be able to do this automatically and pull pieces of data together from different data breaches. And it actually might look and start to fill more real and more it might actually yeah and it might might actually become harder for us to to visually see that it's spam mm. or, or not for us so we need to you know we need to educate ourselves and become more aware how can ESET actually help us become more aware well the good thing is 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 companies like ESET um you know we we provide a, a piece you know we provide a technical layer and as a company, we continually innovate that technical layer and add different layers to it. So, you know, whether that's you know, in the cloud, whether it's on your device or where, whichever part of it, uh, and our experts continually feed that. Uh, and actually, we're one of the few companies that still do the research into kind of what makes the malware writer tick and looks under the hood still. So we, we try and put ourselves on both sides of that to, to understand where this might go. Um, so running something like running ESET on, on a device, you know, whether it's a phone, whether it's a laptop or a desktop and servers or, or throughout the company, or even your TV, yeah, and I say that because your smart TV is, is there at risk as well, um, you know, and make sure that you're, you've updated that software uh, and let us help, help do our part in protecting you, and then you need to step up and do your part. There you go. And, uh, of course, as we've just recognised, we could talk about this for hours, if not days, because now the TV's watching us. So, but as we come towards the end of our conversation, Tony, what is the best tip you have received from a business conversation? Well, on, on a personal level, uh, one of the first companies I worked for was American Express. As I mentioned earlier on, I, I was a programmer. Um, and they actually ran, ran all employees through something called putting people first. And what that taught me was actually the customer is not always right, but the customer is why we're in business. And I think that's probably the best piece of advice I ever saw, and it's stood me well throughout my career. We've got to hang on to those customers. They're extraordinarily important. But what is the top piece of advice you would like to leave listeners with today, Tony? Um, well, obviously, I just mentioned, you know, make sure you have security software, make sure it's updated. But actually, the biggest piece of advice is your awareness. Uh, you're a big part of the puzzle. Uh, don't, be, don't become complacent and make sure that you stay abreast. Make sure you stay aware of what you're clicking on and what you're doing. You know, we can, technology can pr protect you so far. Uh, we need you to to be the last layer of that protection. All comes down to us. 
And most importantly, Tony, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? Oh, well, uh, simply, I'm Tony at ESEP on Twitter, as uh, one route, or I am Tony Anscombe on LinkedIn, or come and check out uh, ESEP.com and, and connect with us through, the, uh, through our website. But I also, my blog is posted on welivesecurity.com. So that's another route to get to me as well. There you go. And uh, ESET.com is E-S-E-T.com. Tony, this has been great. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's been delightful, Clive. I look forward to, uh, to talking to you again at some time. I trust we will. And uh, I trust it won't be because uh, somebody has got into my inbox through phishing and caused me to ring up saying, I'm in a panic. <laughs> I oh, I hope that doesn't happen too. But if, you, if that does happen, you, can, you know where we are. Indeed, that's uh, eset.com. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Clive. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app and you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au.